All right, I've asked Natalie to uh, read our passage here today. We're going to be in Psalm 121. So if you guys want to open up uh, your Bibles to Psalm 121, there are some black Bibles in the chairs in front of you. We're going to be on page 516 there. And if you will, would you please stand as we show reverence to God's word as Natalie reads it. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. You guys could be seated. All right. Psalm 121. It's a great encouraging psalm for me. So, <laughs> this past Thursday, we uh, celebrated my son's fifth birthday. Uh, my oldest son, Solomon, he is five. And uh, as I was reflecting on the last five years of being a parent, I was reminded of a doctor's appointment that we had right when Solomon was very young. This is one of those doctor's appointments that uh, you go with your kiddo to see if they've gained their birth weight back so very early on. And I just remember being weary from sleepless nights. And uh, I had a few questions for the doctor, to say the least. Michelle had one, maybe two. I had literally 15 or 20. (laughs) So I tried to write some of them down. uh, And they were... uh, Should we swaddle him? What do we do if he breaks out of the swaddle? Um, How long should he be sleeping? How many times should he nap? Uh, How many times should we bathe him in a day? Uh, How many toys should he have in his bath? Uh, What do we do when his umbilical cord finally finally falls off? What happens if he sneezes? Do we call 911? What brand of diapers do you recommend? Should I save 911 in my contacts list? So I was, we were total rookies. Like we read books we talked to other parents who were older than us, and they were like, you'll be fine. But the reality is, is I did not have much confidence in my parenting abilities at that moment. And then fast forward, <laughs> five years later, I was working here uh, a couple weeks ago, and Michelle gives me a call, and she's like, hey, I need you to come home. And I'm like, what? And she's, she's like, I, I need you to come home. And I, I couldn't hear what she was saying because our youngest son, Augie, who's right in the back there, Michelle's holding him, our youngest son was screaming his head off in the background of the phone. She's like, I just need you to come home. I was like, okay, I'll come home. So I get there and uh, he had settled down at that point and I was like, oh, seems like everything's all good. Um, and uh, I asked her, so what happened? <laughs> Come to find out our middle son, Jude, pushed him out of the van and broke his collarbone. But at that moment, I was like, he seems fine, you know? (laughs) He's not screaming his head off anymore. And, And what I said was, you know what? Let's just wait it out for a little bit. Maybe give him some Tylenol. 
He'll be fine. <laughs> so I went back to work. Michelle shoots me a text. Hey, I'm going to take him in. And uh, we find out, yeah, his collarbone's broken. <laughs> but the crazy thing, completely healed one to two weeks is what the doctor said. Crazy. They're, they're bones. Um, but parenting is tough. Parenting is tough. And we are just getting started with our three boys just five years in. And I would like to say over the last five years that I've gained some confidence. I've gained confidence not just because of I'm more familiar with some of those scenarios or situations or because of the abundance of Tylenol that I have at all times now, <laughs> but I've gained confidence because the more and more that I grow as a parent, the more and more I realize that I'm not in control of my children's lives. I'm not even in control of my own life. God is. God's in control. It is God who promises to keep us to protect us, to provide for us. And that's what Psalm 121 is all about. Psalm 21, 121 is written to instill confidence in God's people. So today we're going to focus on, because God is our keeper, we must have confidence in him. Because God is our keeper, we must have confidence in him. So let me give you a little bit of background here with Psalm 121. Uh, You might see in your Bible that it says a song of ascents. That is like ascending or going up. And we're, this is in a smaller section of the Psalms, Psalm 120 through 134. That is these songs or Psalms of ascent. And each year, the Israelites who did not live in Jerusalem, they would take a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. They would do this three times a year. And as they were ascending the hill into that holy city, they would sing these songs, 120 through 134. So their confidence abounded as they sang and meditated on these deep truths of who their great God is. And this Psalm 121, it's, it's pretty interesting how it's laid out because the psalmist, he begins by speaking truth to himself. He begins by singing truth to himself, and then he turns and he sings truth to his fellow Israelites, to his kinsmen. The word keep is mentioned six times in this psalm, and God as our keeper, or the one who keeps us, can also be described as the God who protects us, watches over us and preserves us. Because God is our keeper, we must have confidence in him. So I got three points for you. If you're a note taker, get that pen ready. Here they are. With God as our keeper, we must find help in him. We rest in his tireless care. And with God as our keeper, we hope in Christ. So let's dive into our journey here this morning. Uh, My first point here, with God as our keeper, we find help in him. Verses 1 and 2. I'll read them again. It says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The psalmist here, he's been on a long journey. An extended pilgrimage from his hometown to Jerusalem. And he's weary from that journey. And he lifts up his eyes, and what he sees are these hills, these mountains that surround this holy city of Jerusalem. And what's interesting is that most Israelites, they were well acquainted, not just with this journey or these hills, but specifically with this psalm. 
We know that Jesus' parents made this journey with Jesus as a little boy in Luke chapter 2, you know, when he goes into the temple. And we also know that Jesus made this journey with his disciples. So the people of God have been asking this question that the psalmist does here for many years. From where does my help come from? And I I assure you that Mary and Joseph, as well as Jesus, when they asked this question, they found the same answer that we see in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the Lord, Yahweh, our covenant-keeping God, He is in fact our source of help. And the psalmist here points specifically to the attribute of God as being a creator, who in the beginning created everything out of nothing. Out of nothing, he brought everything into order. And as we will see when we go through Genesis here in the fall, we will see that when he speaks, it is like a king who sets forth decrees, and his creation follows. His creation obeys that decree. He brings the nothingness into order. And I think Paul Tripp said it best when he comments, the Bible put God not only as the origin of all things, but at the center of all things. And then Paul Tripp goes on with a poem, and I'm just going to read it to you. He says, before the world was formed, God was. Before the sun, moon, and stars lit up the sky, God was. Before the first flower bloomed, God was. Before the first fruit tree, God was. Before the first wing of an eagle flapped, God was. Before the first muscle of a gazelle leapt, God was. Before the first gill of a fish opened, God was. Before that first golden sunset, the first drenching monsoon, the first crash of thunder, the first gust of wind, before the first fall of snow, God was. And before Adam experienced breath in his lungs, before he experienced the grass beneath his feet, before he experienced the light in his eyes, before this Adam experienced taste on his tongue, before he experienced sound in his ears, before Adam ever laid eyes on the beauty of his wife, before they walked, talked, laughed, hugged, kissed, loved, God was. Before the first family, house, village, or government, before the first anything, God was. God is not only the origin of all things, but he is at the center of all things. And this creator God at the center of the universe also brings great order to our universe. This great God is to be our source of help and to bring order in our lives amidst chaos. Especially when we, like the psalmist, are weary. When we are tired from a long journey. Oftentimes, this long journey is known as, a, as life. And we search for help. And our Creator God has indispensable resources. And we must tap into those resources. And notice that the psalmist doesn't say, My help comes from the hills. No, my help comes from the Lord. He has learned to look beyond the hills to his great God. But for me, I'll just be honest with you, oftentimes when the storms of life come, I retreat to the hills. (laughs) I escape to the mountains that are in our backyard here. 
There's something about being in God's creation that does bring peace and tranquility to my soul. Whether I'm hiking around in the forest, whether I'm skating on a frozen pond, it doesn't get a lot better than that. Or when I'm down by a river and put a line in the water and hope to pluck out a nice rainbow trout. Being in God's creation does bring an element of rest to my soul. But the reality is, is that I have to come down from that mountaintop at some point. I literally have to drive down that mountain into the front range and oftentimes back into the storms of life. And that's why God's general revelation through his creation is insufficient. God has given us his specific revelation through his word to tell us, to teach us, to help us find hope and rest for our weary souls. So we don't just survive the storms of life, but rather while we are in the midst of them, we can sing. We can sing. Even the non-Christian who claims that the mountains are his God. He's got an element of truthfulness there that God can be revealed in creation. But it's a half-truth. It's a partial truth. And as Christians, we have the full expression of help found in God's word. And specifically, the word that became flesh. But before we get into that, before we get into the word that became flesh to be our source of hope, I want to ask you a question. Where do you need help right now? Are you in a stormy season? Are you weary from a long journey? Let me encourage you, lift your eyes up, not only to the hills, but look beyond those hills to our great God. This great God has preserved his word for you, and it is to be a source of great help amidst a stormy season. Practically, you can run to the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134. Recently, they've been a great comfort for my soul as I've walked through a stormy season. These songs have been a great confidence that my Creator God is not only my source of help, but He causes my heart to sing to Him. If you're on a weary journey in life right now, Let me encourage you, take some time this week. Dwell on the truths that are in these psalms. Preach those truths into your mind and let your heart sing. We will grow in confidence as we tap into these resources of our creator, God, who is our keeper. Look beyond the mountains to our creator as our source of help. And as our source of help, we can rest in his tireless care. And that leads me to our second stop on our journey this morning. With God as our keeper, we rest in his tireless care. Verses 3 and 4. We rest in his tireless care. So the psalmist, after preaching to himself about the truth of where the source of help truly comes from, he now addresses his fellow pilgrims on this journey with him, who are shoulder to shoulder, marching towards the holy city. He addresses the fellow pilgrims about their keeper, and he does this as individuals, but also corporately. Notice, that, notice the individual that he addresses in verse 3. He says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Let me remind you, this psalmist, the author, has been on a journey for days. He's tired. His feet are sore. And amidst his weary feet, the psalmist reminds his kinsmen that God will preserve them. God will preserve you step by step. Here in verse 3, we're introduced to the word keep, the first of six, and more specifically to the keeper. This keeper is keeping close watch. This keeper will not slumber. What that slumber word means is that he's not drowsy. (laughs) He's not half asleep. No, he's awake. He's alert. He's keeping watch. In verse 4, we have confidence that this keeper is keeping watch over the entire nation of Israel as well. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This keeper is not just watching over each person. He's looking at the entire nation. It's not as if he's pruning and nourishing and watering each tree. No, he's doing that for the entire forest. And not just the nation of Israel, but the people of God. And that's all of us, the church. As this psalmist cares for the forest, let us remember that he's not drowsy or tired, that he's not sleepy, that he's not passed out. No, he is keeping guard. He is actively protecting you from the dangers that come at us day in and day out. That's what this psalm is teaching us. A great illustration that I read this week was about Alexander the Great. Many of you know he was an amazing maybe not amazing. He was a great, self-proclaimed Greek king, and uh, he had many enemies. And one of his generals came to him one day and was like, amidst all this danger and all these enemies that you have, how do you sleep so soundly at night? And his response, he said, because his faithful guard, Parmenio, is keeping watch. How much more with us that we have a faithful watchman, a faithful keeper, how much more can we rest in that? How much more can we soundly sleep? He is the faithful watchman in the night, not just for you as an individual, but for all of God's people. This watchman will not sleep on the job. Our great God is not tired from working all week or a long pilgrimage through life. No, he's tireless, he's relentless, he's vigorous, and he's caring for his people. Let us rest in that truth. So let me ask you, where in your life are you restless? Where in your life can you not just shut this particular thing off? Another way that I could ask this is, where in your life are you anxious? Or do you have anxiety? The reality is, is we are often anxious, restless, even unconfident because we are not in control of situations in our lives. We want to see a scenario play out so badly that we begin to manipulate. We begin to change our actions and try to change the actions of other people. A desire for control is ultimately a lack of faith in God. We forget that our keeper and his tireless care is upon us whenever we need it. And when we forget that, we churn. 
we manipulate, we try to control, and in essence, we try to become like God. We try to become God. And honestly, I fall prey to this all the time. A situation arises that I don't like, and instead of partnering with the Holy Spirit and with my great God, Daniel's all-surpassing wisdom begins to come out. And I see something, and I'm like, why are they doing that? That's so dumb. Hey, you, stop doing that. Instead, you should do it like this. And my wife, my sweet wife, (laughs) she calls me on it. She says, Daniel, you're trying to be in control. You're trying to manipulate the situation. (sighs) And eventually, eventually, I say, you're right. Thank you. You're right. Perhaps you can relate. When I'm confronted with my sinful desire to control, I've had to learn to turn. I've had to learn to turn. Repentance occurs not just when situations that I try to control fail me. Repentance occurs when I and we behold our great God. When I behold, when we behold our keeper who never slumbers and never sleeps. He's great, I am not. He's infinite, I'm finite. He's in control. I am his servant. So where in your life are you trying to control? Let me encourage you. Talk to someone about that. Talk to God about that, but also talk to someone that is close to you. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone in your life group, a pastor, or even your spouse. Help them. Allow them to help you to learn to turn away from your desire to control. We must learn to turn away from our sin and rest in God's tireless care for us. And that leads me to our final destination this morning. With God as our keeper, we must hope in Christ. We must hope in Christ. Verses 5 and 8. He says in verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. And the psalmist is singing with great confidence here. He illustrates with poetic language about Shade, sun, and the moon in this section. And I love shade because it is such a great word picture of protection. We've had a a bit of a reprieve in our weather here these last couple days, but this summer has been hot. (laughs) And as I've been outside, I'm I'm looking for shade at any moment. (laughs) I'll I'll let the kids play with the sunblock over on the playground, but I'm going to hang out in the shade of this big fat tree. But the reality is is that the sun's rays can be very dangerous, especially when you're out in the blazing heat all day. But then the psalmist mentions the moon here, and obviously the moon's rays, they're not going to hurt you unless you're a werewolf, you know? No, but he's using figurative language here to instill confidence that amidst visible dangers that physically come upon us all day, while the sun is out, or invisible spiritual dangers that can come upon us all day or all night when the moon is out. He's, the psalmist is instilling confidence that the keeper is our shade. The keeper is at our right hand and available to us whenever we need it. He's always present to protect you and me from every calamity, every strike of danger. 
And this gives us hope. This gives us hope. Look with me at verses 7 and 8 and notice the constant and continuous language of our keeper. It says that this keeper will keep us from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So no matter where you are, no matter what time of day it is, this keeper will be on your side. He will be the shade to protect you. And let me just make clear, this psalm is not saying that our lives will be void of trouble, void of suffering, void of problems. No, in fact, this psalm is acknowledging that we will face these adversities, that we will face tribulations, that we will face difficulties. But the psalm is implying that in our lives, we need a keeper. We need a keeper and we have one in Christ. You see, Jesus is our keeper, but he not only protected us, but he walked with us. He left heaven's glory and came and dwelled as a man. He knows what it's like to be a weary pilgrim on this journey through life. He was tired. We see that throughout the New Testament. After he preached, he needed to go and get away. He even took a a little nap on a boat one time. And these burly Galilean fishermen, when this huge storm came, they were little lassies. But our great God had confidence amidst his weariness. Jesus knows what you and I are going through in this life as pilgrims. And he is our source of help. Jesus is also our ultimate protector from the only danger that we all face. The danger that comes from our sin before a holy God. Jesus protected us from the punishment for our sin by taking upon himself the wrath of God. The cross is a great illustration for us because we are protected from God's wrath as we rest in its shade as we are protected and it was poured out completely on Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate watchman who not only rose from the dead, but he also rose to heaven. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's there right now interceding on behalf of his people. And we, as weary pilgrims, we must hope in Jesus because he promises to continue to protect us, to help us, to watch over us, from this time forth and forevermore. We must have confidence in this keeper. And as we hope in Jesus, let me remind you that as weary pilgrims on a journey, we're headed to Jerusalem as well. But not geographically. We're heading to the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth, where there will be no pain, where there will be no more tears, no more disease, no more car wrecks, no more death. We have a tremendous hope in the face of our weary journey to this new Jerusalem. And that hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. So let us have great confidence in our God as we're on this pilgrimage called life. Let us find rest in the one who has conquered evil so that we will never taste the full effects of it. All we have is Christ. We sang it earlier. All I have is Christ. The reality is, is Christ is all I need.
Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I think I'll close with an illustration, a story. I got a call from my dad the other day. He's like, hey, bud, I need to talk to you. I got some life-changing news for you. I'm like, brace yourself. (laughs) What's coming at me here? Um, And he said that he had a meeting with his boss today. And I was like, I know what it is. And he said that not only his boss, but his boss's boss walk into his office and essentially tell him, hey, we're eliminating your job. And my dad sat there shocked, stunned. My father is 67 years old. He's two years away from retirement. He's worked at this company for 34 years. And they dropped this bomb on him. (laughs) And I was so thankful that... He told me this this week and that I was dwelling on Psalm 121 throughout the week because I needed the truths that were in this psalm here this week. I needed to preach these truths, but God was also preparing me to preach them to my dad. And what I told him was, Dad, even though they didn't even thank you for your 34 years of service but gave you a pink slip, I just want you to know that your example of faithfulness, your model of steadfastness and perseverance in this job has been a great encouragement to me. And that bears the image of God in that he is a faithful God who is steadfast and keeps us always. And he was very thankful for that. And then I prayed for him and I just prayed that God would help him amidst this trial, that he would keep him that we would see that God has not only provided for us in the last 34 years, but he will provide for us forevermore. Then said, amen. He opens his eyes, tearing up a little bit. He said, thank you, buddy. I'm so proud of you. It was a, it was a touching moment. It was a touching moment because I needed not only these truths, but we all need these truths. And we have a great opportunity in the face of such trials and stormy circumstances that we can find hope. We can find confidence in our God who keeps us. So let us find help. Let us rest in his care. And let us rejoice that we have hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we just uh, are grateful for how your word does speak to us and how you use your word to find help, to find rest, and to find hope a face, uh, in, in the face of such uh, weary circumstances. Lord, I do pray, uh, would you continue to, to wash us over with your word week in and week out? And would we continue to go from here rejoicing in the hope that we have in Christ and Christ alone and the fact that you will hold us fast. But Lord, would we also take this vapor of a life that we have that can be gone in an instant. Lord, we are not even guaranteed the next stoplight. Lord, would we use this season of life to really press into you and to make disciples to give hope to those around us who are hopeless. And Lord, would you get the glory and would we get the joy? In Jesus' name, amen.